Are you ready to inject a little punk rock DIY ethos into your indie author career? Join me, best-selling author Steph Green, for the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast, where we're going to explore how to tell your story, find your readers, and build a badass author brand. For more info, check out our website at www.rageagainstthemanuscript.com. Hello writers, it's Steph here again, and welcome back to another episode of the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast. I am so excited about today's topic because it's something I'm really passionate about, and that topic is about your backlist. Specifically, how to revitalize it, how to strategize with it, and how to make it earn you more money. So first of all, I think we'd better kind of define this term backlist, especially if it's a term that you're not really that familiar with. Um, And it's kind of crazy for me because I've literally just recorded this whole thing, Um, but I realized I was sort of got about halfway through the episode and I realized that I was recording like with my face straight into an open window that was blowing wind onto the microphone, so it sounded terrible. So I am re-recording it, and hopefully that means that this time I'll be a little bit less blah blah blah, blah and a little bit more coherent about when I talk about kind of what uh, you know what a backlist actually is and why it's important that you you know, do some stuff with yours. So backlist, we, we talk about backlist in our books um, as opposed to our front list. And front list and backlist are two terms that we've imported from trad publishing. Now I am not a trad publisher, and I've not really had any books trad published before, so I may be a little bit off on my sort of definitions and timelines here um, about what these terms mean when they're applied to trad pub, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. So basically, in terms of trad pub, the way trad pub works is that they are real big on new books. And so if you, you had a trad pub contract, you would have a, a, you know, your brand new novel would come out and everyone, there'd be a lot of excitement about it and bookstores would order all their copies and you would be able to go into your local Barnes and Noble or whatever, look at the shelf and there your book would be, maybe it would be on the end cap or at the table at the front and that would be really exciting. And your book would be there for about six weeks. Now sometimes that timeline is longer and sometimes it's shorter, depends on the bookstore, bookshop. But I believe it's about six weeks. And so you've got about six weeks where that book is kind of excitedly in bookshops um, for you to sell as many copies as you possibly can. And then what happens is the bookstores clear out all those new books that they've you know, put on the end caps or the, the front tables because they get the next sort of six weeks worth of new books in. When your book is in that initial six weeks, it's considered a frontless title. Um, this is where the publishing houses spend the majority of their, their promotional money um, because it's you know it, it's the time to grab readers' attention. And then after that, your book tends to slip into what is referred to as your backlist. So your backlist is kind of all your books that you've published that don't that aren't in that sort of six-week window of um, promotional kind of zazzle. So for trad publishers uh, and, and trad published authors, 
the backlist can be a kind of a difficult area because you don't control whether, for example, whether those books are actually still in print or not. But really smart trad publishers make sure that even if backlist books aren't on sale in bookstores, that there's still ways for readers who are excited about a frontlist book to go and purchase the backlist. So that's where things like online sales come in um, and, and kind of other sort of promotional things. Um, and you may know, you may know because you probably go to bookstores like I do, that sometimes, you know, if you go to a bookstore, you will see, you know, an author that you like um, right at the front of the store because they've got a brand new book. But if you go to a certain section of the bookshop, you may also find some or maybe all of their backlist books. So backlist books can be stocked in bookstores, but they just tend to not be at the front of the store given the, the kind of the all the really exciting promotional places because that's reserved for frontless books, for new books. So backlist books can still sell quite steadily. You know, think about old George R.R. Martin, who's had his backlist books selling for many, many years, especially with the, um, the TV show making them really popular again. So that's kind of backlist and frontlist in trad pub terms. And you've got to think about what, you know, how this kind of translates to us as indie authors, as self-publishers. Now, in indie author land, the definition of a frontless book and a backless book differs a lot depending on who's talking. Um, so, you know, some people define backlist as like everything except the last book that you've published. Some people define backlist as everything that you've published before the current year or before the current month. Basically, it's a kind of a definition that's quite personal to the author. And if you're you're looking at someone who's sort of teaching about self-publishing, that's personal to that person who's doing the teaching. Um, so there's no kind of universal definition of frontlist and backlist for um, self-publishing. For me, I like to think of it like this. I have a series that I'm working on. And because of the way I write, I don't I try not to flip around lots of different series. So at any one time, I'm generally speaking, writing one series. And I consider that series my front list. Now, there are some exceptions to this. So for example, at the moment, I technically have two series that I'm working on, or two series that are open. So I have my my frontless series, what I consider my frontless series, which is the series I'm working on at the moment. And actually, that series is interesting because it, it, technically I have no books in that series because this is a brand new series, so I'm currently writing book one, so I haven't published it yet. So that's but that's my true frontless series. And then I have the Nevermore Bookshop mystery series, and I've just released book seven in that series, and there is two more books to go, eight and nine. Now, with Nevermore, I've been releasing a book a year in the series. And the reason that I do that is because I, I love the series, basically. My readers love the series. It is the one I get the most mail about, the most like fan messages about, just everything about. Um, but it is not my bestseller. And I wanted to write more books in it, but I didn't want to dedicate, say, four or five or six months to kind of putting out these books that I know are later in a series, are not going to sell as well um, as doing a new thing. So 
that's the reason that that series, you know, it's technically open, but it's only got one new book coming out a year. And for the purposes of thinking about advertising and promotion and things, I consider it a backlist series. Even though it's not complete, I consider it backlist. And so this kind of comes back to this idea that what is backlist and what is frontlist is quite personal to each author. So basically for me, frontlist is the series, the open series I'm currently working on, and backlist is basically everything else. So now that we've kind of defined that, I've got a few points I want to talk a little bit about, about backlist. So basically, why do we want our backlist to sell? And the reason is because you know, money is nice, that's basically it. I am so in love with the um, the way publishing works like this. I love this, you know, the, the, the process of I write a book, I finish a book, the book is done, but then I can earn money off of that book. I can earn royalties off that book for the rest of my life. That makes me so happy, you have no idea. And so... This is why I love Backlist so much. The thing about your Frontlist series is that it's going to have, you know, hopefully, we're hoping, it's going to have a lot of interest when the books are coming out. Um, and then when the series is finished, it usually gets a bit of a, a hop as well. And then maybe you put a box set out, it gets a bit more of a hop. And then it, it sort of gradually tails off. Gradually tails off basically into nothing. And that's because a whole bunch of new books have come out and readers love shiny new things and so your book is kind of getting buried. Like less people are seeing it because they're more excited about brand new things that are coming out. And like Tradpub, who's very excited about, you know, you've got the six-week window, they're very excited about brand new books. The algorithms on Amazon are also very excited about brand new books. They heavily, heavily favour um, new content. And there are whole books and whole other podcasts about this and kind of looking into the algorithm. I'm not going to go into it here, but basically know, th know that. That Amazon is really keen on new content. So in order for that new content to shine, your old content gets pushed down a bit. And this means that a book or a series that you've worked worked on or worked on, you know, it's going to have a decent run while it's a frontless series, and then when it's backless, it can fade away into obscurity. And, you know, that's okay. That's kind of life. But wouldn't it be better if those backless books, especially as you, you know, you write more books, um, as you write faster, as you write for more years as an author, and your backlist grows and grows, wouldn't it be great if those books earned a bit more? Now, um, <laughs> now I am a six-figure author, um, and have been since 2019, I think. Um, yes, yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. Um, so I do pretty decent uh, numbers from self-publishing um, but what's interesting to me is that most of my income comes from my backlist and my backlist grows and grows and grows every year and it's currently I think around 50 books I could never quite remember exactly so around 50 books and pretty much 70% of my income 
in a standard year is backlist and then the rest is the new books so the vast majority of what I earn is actually backlist now this differs a bit if I have a series that's a bit of a hit then that um, that frontless series kind of pulls the, those frontless numbers up significantly but for every every hit that I have I have two or three that are kind of a flop or medium or you know just fine <laughs> and so I rely on my backlist to give me kind of a steady income and the backlist is sort of this baseline like I I know that if I can keep my backlist tuning along then there's this kind of baseline income that I can earn every month and I can basically more or less count on that so that's why backlist is super important because I want that baseline income to be as high as possible because I've got cats who need expensive food and <laughs> you know fancy new collars and you know much shit to do so this is why backlist is so so important backlist can be a baseline income for you um, that can kind of smooth out all the issues with um, frontless books and it can enable you to keep going and have a sustainable career even if you have a flop of a series you know no matter what's even if you can't publish for five months or publish for a whole year um, that your backlist gives you the ability to create sustainable income if you use it well so we're going to talk about that um, and the first thing we're sort of going to talk about is why isn't your backlist selling? Now, we kind of have this idea as authors that our readers are going to read a series, you know, our frontless series, and they're going to be really excited about it, and then they're going to be like, oh, well, I should see what, what else this author, I really like that series, I should see what else this author has for me to read, and I'm going to go read that. And then they go back and they look at all your other books, and they're like, oh, I want that and that and that. Now, some readers will do that, but the vast majority won't. Readers are, and I've talked about this before, readers are series loyal first, genre loyal second, author loyal a distant third. So all those author loyal readers might go back and have a, have a read of all your other stuff. Those genre loyal readers might go back and have a look at your stuff if it's the same genre. If they get the same reading experience, the same tropes that they love from your backlist books as they do from the frontlist series that they've enjoyed, then they'd go back. But if, if your backlist is a big hodgepodge, then those genre readers are not going to be interested. And then you've got your series loyal readers. Now series loyal readers are more likely to go and read backlist books if they are tied into the series they love in some way. Because they don't like to miss out on kind of like additional kind of series goodies. So to, in order to attract those series readers, um, you should be looking, you know, you're looking at kind of creating interconnected series. Um, or you know, series that spin off into another part of the world or focus on another characters. The frontless series that I'm doing at the moment is a second generation series. Um, so the children of characters in um, a previous successful series are getting their own series, which is quite, you know, when they're all growing up, which is quite fun. It's a lot of fun to write. So this is sort of what we're looking at. Um, we're looking at how to get these series leader, readers 
how to get these genre loyal readers and how to get these author loyal readers to read your backlist. And yeah, um, so you're going to ask yourself, why isn't my backlist selling? And there were lots of reasons why a backlist could be kind of languishing a bit. And it, I think it's very important before you start kind of tweaking things and thinking about this is to kind of do a bit of a, you know, a bit of an analysis on all your backlist books and your backlist series and kind of look at what's doing the best, what's doing the worst, what are some like quick wins that you could make, um, and kind of look at all the ways that you could tweak your backlist. And then once you've done that and you've looked at all those different things, then you can start to kind of put them in order of this is highest priority, this is going to be, if I can do this well, this is more likely to net me more income, etc, etc. So that's basically what we're going to do. We're going to look at some different ways that your backlist could be languishing and look at some ways to fix that. So, the key ways that a backlist could be languishing, it could be the fault of the book, it could be a fault of the packaging, or it could be a fault of the strategy. So first of all, the book. Basically, this is you asking yourself, is this book meeting genre expectations? Is it meeting the tropes? Um, is it got a character that everyone can root for? Etc, etc. Is it up to the same quality as my other work? Often, um, this is what happens when you, so maybe you have like your second series or your third series does really well. And you're going back and you're looking at the first series you ever published. And for most of us, the first series or the first books that we ever published, they're kind of kitchen sink books. Like we threw a lot of stuff at them. And it's not always, they're not always written to market. They don't always have like the tropes that our readers love or, the, or, the, or the, they don't easily fit into a genre. And a lot of the time, there's sort of nothing we can really do with these books. You know, a, a complete rewrite of them is going to take a long time. And it's probably not as good a use of our time as just writing a new thing. So generally speaking, if the problem is with the book, then I would leave it. If the problem is the book, I would leave it because the time that you spend rewriting a book to fix this problem is generally time that could be better spent writing a new book. Um, now, sometimes there is an exception to that rule. Um, sometimes it could be, for example, if you've got a long series and you think really all it needs is just a little tweak in book one and that can make things you know, a, lot, a lot better. Um, I have a 10 book series. Well, it, it, it's kind of a six book series, but it's then connected to four other books. So I basically call it a 10 book series. Um, and when I took that series out of KU and took it wide, I decided to rewrite the first three books, which were the first um, romance books that I ever published um, because they were the first books I'd ever published. And they were the lead-in to this whole big series world. And I wanted to maximize the profit off of this 10-book series. So I, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the things that I did was I, the, these books, those first three books were like 30,000 word novellas, and the whole rest of the series were full-length novels. So, and, and then the other thing was that the other books in the series all had a dual point of view, in the first person. So they had the heroine's point of view in one chapter and then the heroes in another chapter. And these first books were only from the point of view of the heroine. And then the third thing was that 
they were my very first attempt at writing sex scenes and I got a lot of things right and I got a few things wrong. Just the tone of the sex scenes felt kind of wrong for the books and that had come through in some of the reviews. So I wanted to kind of readjust the sex scenes a bit. So I did those three things. I took a month off and I rewrote books one, two and three. I added about 15,000 words to each book so I brought them up to kind of short novel length. I added the male point of view, just a general cleanup of them, um, and I fixed the sex scenes. And that gave me uh, more confidence in, in releasing those books wide and in using those books as the lead into this big series world. And I do feel like that month that I spent paid off. Um, I do feel like that was worth it. Um, but I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't rush to do it again, there's been, I, you know, I've got two books sitting on my computer, two books of a three book series that I unpublished because I have never got around to finishing the third book, because these books are just too, they're BDSM, they're paranormal, they're historical, but not, you know, the historical periods people actually like, they're like a Dark Ages Europe historical, um, and so they're just too, you know, when they were published, people, you know, they were definitely not one of my most popular books. And I've, I've thought and thought and thought about rewriting them, about releasing book, um, you know, writing book three. And it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. So this is what you have to ask. If it's the book, you have to ask, is it worthwhile doing something about it, rewriting it or re-editing it? You know, especially if maybe it's a book that's done really well, but it has a lot of low reviews because of poor editing. Just sending it to an editor for a re-edit could be a really worthwhile thing. So that's the first thing. Is it the book? The second thing is, is it the packaging? And this is about title, blurb, and uh, what's that other thing? Cover. That's right, title, blurb, cover. It's basically what we talk about when we talk about the packaging. Now, a lot of things that are in our backlist are flops or earlier books when we were learning things. Um, and sometimes we didn't get things quite right. Um, one of the biggest kind of culprits of this is when you have books that are quite cross-genre, and you tend to kind of try and skate this line in the middle where you're not too far one way or too far the other way. And that's actually the wrong way to promote cross-genre books. Um, really with cross-genre books, what you want to be doing is focusing on one of the two genres. You know, if it's fantasy romance, which is a cross-genre, go hard on the fantasy or go hard on the romance. And there are different cover tropes, there are different um, kind of things in the blurb that those readers look for. And, you know, you can try, it's really interesting because you can try it both ways and see which way works the best. Because most readers who read cross-genre books, they tend to favour one genre over the other. And so what you're looking for is to kind of capitalise on those readers who love that one genre first, figure out which of the two genres that one genre is, and then pull those readers into your world. 
books across genre books perhaps you're sitting too far in the middle um, you need to um, redo the blurb redo the cover to really focus on one side of that that kind of genre coin um, just in general um, you know looking at blurbs do your blurbs kind of deliver the the tropes the reader expectations do they sound like you know it's like a really exciting book if you think the packaging is an issue the first thing that you should definitely look at doing is rejigging the blurb because the cover pulls people onto the page but the blurb is what makes them make the decision to buy so the blurb is probably the most important thing so i would rewrite the blurb first and if you think that's made a few improvements but you still want to push a bit more then redo the cover um here is a good place to think about you know we talked about um readers being genre loyal and series loyal first if you have books in your backlist that relate to a, a frontless series that's doing really well then you might consider rebranding those books to kind of match the branding of that frontless series um, to better attract those readers that like this kind of series continuation things. Ditto with books that are in the same genre. You know, if for example you're a romance writer, but you have lots of different books and lots of different subgenres of romance, and maybe you've got a frontless series which is like an alien romance book. Um, series and that's doing really well so I would take all your old alien romance books from your backlist and maybe give them new covers that if not match the the, the ones the current ones that you've got then at least um, kind of match them in terms of quality and kind of genre effectiveness and you know focus on promoting those books um, this is all about kind of trying to lead your readers back through your backlist and, and telling them that you've got all the stuff they need so they don't need to go anywhere else. That's what's really cool. Um, and then the next thing is, is this your strategy? Um, now this is much harder to fix. This is basically for people where you've got a big backlist which has a lot of different things in it and it doesn't really all match up. You know, so maybe you did a cozy mystery series, and then you did like a paranormal woman's fiction, and then you did like a gritty urban fantasy, and then you did like a science fiction series. So you've got this this backlist, which is this big mixture of things. And readers don't really aren't really into this because they don't know what to expect. It doesn't work for those readers who love a particular genre. Um, it doesn't work for those readers who like a series world. It, it does work for those author loyal readers, but remember that's a significantly smaller portion of the reader pool. So if it's your strategy, the first thing to ask yourself is, is the strategy serving me? And if it's not, uh, maybe re-strategize and think about what are you going to write in the future and how are you going to make your author brand more coherent so that it appeals to readers in the same genre. Um, things that you can do with your backlist, so, and, and that's very good, but that doesn't help your current backlist. One thing you might be able to do is take books out of your backlist that are in different genres, to basically clean up your backlist. Now, sometimes this is, again, this is not worth doing. Um, 
but sometimes your know, authors do this and they have a lot of success with it. So you can, for example, take out all of the, so remember before we talked about if you were a romance author and you had this like science fiction romance series that did really well, you could kind of rebrand the um, other science fiction romance books in your backlist. So as well as that, you could possibly consider taking out of your backlist all of the non-science fiction romance books and republishing them under a new pen name. And using and with that pen name, you can zero in on the other particular genres that are there. And so rather than having one big pen name that's a big mash of things, you can have two or three different pen names which are separated out by genre. Now, sometimes, again, more trouble than it's worth. Sometimes it's the right decision. Um, it's kind of up to you. So again, with strategy, we sort of talked about using your front list um, to sell your back list by working on creating books that work in the same worlds, in the same series, etc. Um, it's, you know, sometimes I do worry that I've done the same story far too many times because I try really hard to, to be quite strategic about, um, you know, where I'm going to lead readers after they've finished a frontless series. Um, sometimes I do worry, but honestly my books keep selling, so it's fine. So, you've kind of had a look at your backlist books that aren't selling, and you've figured out, is it the book, is it the packaging, is it the strategy? Obviously the packaging is the easiest thing to fix, so generally speaking, anything in your backlist that you think needs a packaging tweak, that's probably what you're going to be focusing on first. Um, Anything that kind of doesn't fit with your strategy is probably something that you might, you, you're going to leave to one side and ditto um, books that you aren't going to sort of fix. Um, but now, uh, now that you've kind of had a look at your backlist, it's time to think about promoting it. And basically the gist of this is to run sales. It's pretty much the bread and butter of promoting a backlist. Um, this is using free or 99 cent sales on book one, sometimes even book two or book, book three as well, in a backlist series. And then promoting that sale with newsletters, with paper clip click ads, or working with other authors to kind of improve the reach of a sale. So you run these limited time sales. And if you have a, back, a decent sized backlist, you can end up doing one of these a month. And that's going to keep your backlist ticking along all year round. That's basically what I do. It's pretty simple. There's no sort of trick to it. It's just <laughs> I run sales so that readers can take a chance on backlist books um, that they might not have otherwise taken a chance on. I promote them in my newsletter most of the time. Not always. Um, I do a lot of these kind of promos with other authors to kind of increase my reach to the readers of other authors that are in my genre. Um, I find that more, the most beneficial. Um, and sales also improve you, like they, they jump you up the algorithms a bit. And then I try to use pay-per-click advertising to sort of keep me at these new heights that I've jumped to. And you're always going to drop, but with pay-per-click, on top of promotions, you are not going to drop as far. And that is basically all you need to do to keep your backlist churning along. 
it's pretty pretty sweet as really um yeah so I think that's really all I sort of wanted to talk about when it comes to backlist I think that you guys are probably going to have a lot of questions about this episode um, and I would love to hear them um, and I've got a Q&A episode coming up so I'm going to do a lot of like sort of short and sweet answers to very specific questions so if you have any questions about backlist or anything else really head over to the Facebook group and pop them in the post basically I'm Steph Green I'm so happy to be here to talk to you about self-publishing um, I love that you pop in every week to listen to me ramble and um, you've been listening to the Rage Against the Manuscript podcast and we'll be back next week with more self-publishing tips thanks for listening and happy publishing